mercy, and peace be with you, my dear friends in Christ, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, we started a series for eight weeks, working our way phrase by phrase through the 150-year-old mission statement of our congregation. Uh, as we near the official celebration of our 150th anniversary on July 23rd, each week we're taking a phrase of this mission statement, which was originally written in the church constitution 150 years ago and still remains to this day. And so our goal in doing this is to see that even though the times have changed, even though we have changed, even though the culture has changed, the mission of God really doesn't change. Uh, what, what we do and who we are as God's people remains unchanged because God remains unchanged. Let me, let me read for you uh, this, this mission statement in its entirety as we begin today. <laughs> the purpose of this congregation <clears throat> shall be to give honor and glory to God, to carry out his will, to assist in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world, to manifest the unity of our faith in Jesus Christ as God and Savior, to foster Christian fellowship and love, to extend a helping hand in human need, and to achieve our objectives by the preaching of the word of God, by the administration of the sacraments, by the religious instruction of all its members, according to the confessional standards of the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Last week, we focused on that very first phrase, the purpose of this congregation shall be to give honor and glory to God. And so we looked at both of those words, honor and glory. Honor means to give, uh, give a high esteem or hold somebody in high respect. And to give glory means to worship and to praise. And so uh, this mission, our purpose begins by acknowledging what the relationship is. Who is God? He's our creator. Who are we? We're created by him. We belong to him. And, and unless we have this right, the mission doesn't really make any sense. And so our mission is established first by establishing who God is and who we are and what that relationship looks like. So today we focus on the, the highlighted section, this next phrase, we carry out his will. Carry out his will. Good. Sounds great. But if we just have that phrase all by itself, carry out his will, we need to ask, well, Whose will, first and foremost, and maybe that's obvious, right? Whose will? God's will. Okay, so we carry out God's will. Good. Sounds like a nice thing to do, and everybody would probably go, okay, great. But as I start to ponder this and to think on this, uh, I, I start to have a few questions. And so there are three questions that, that I have that I think will give a little bit of meat to this phrase, and I'd like to work through each of these three questions today. The three questions, what is God's will? How is God's will done? And then how as a congregation do we carry out God's will? Right? So this is what we're going to do. We'll take them one at a time today. So first of all, what is the will of God? Today is the day of Pentecost. We, we just read in Acts chapter 2 this story of how God's disciples were gathered together in, or Jesus' disciples were gathered together in the city of Jerusalem for a feast called Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. All right? So, uh, 50 days ago, if you were to look at your calendar, 50 days ago, we celebrated Easter. All right? After the resurrection of Jesus, he was alive for 40 days, walking, talking with his disciples, uh, appearing to many hundreds of people for 40 days. On that 40th day, he ascended into heaven, and before he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples, 
go to Jerusalem and wait there until I send the Spirit. So they did. They went to Jerusalem, and it's been 10 days since they watched him ascend into heaven that they have been waiting in Jerusalem. Now, it's not just the disciples. Again, as I said, Pentecost means 50th day. So it's 50 days after um, when they had gathered together before for the Passover. So now they gather together Jews from all different countries. You heard Gear not mention all these different countries where people were gathered together. Jewish pilgrims gathered together to celebrate this feast. The disciples are together in this room, uh, and the Holy Spirit comes into the room in this mysterious way. The scriptures say it in, in ways like tongues of fire rested on their heads, whatever that means. We don't necessarily know, but God comes into their presence, and what happens in this moment? Their eyes are opened, their ears are open, their minds and hearts are opened to understand what it was that Jesus had been doing and showing them. Their, their mind is open to realize that Jesus actually is the fulfillment of everything that people have been waiting for, for from the beginning. He's the fulfillment of the scripture. So their minds are open to that truth. And then their lips are open and they are emboldened to go and speak in different languages. And they go into the city streets and people hear the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ in their own native languages. And the, and the recipients, it would be as if I stood up in front of you and, and my friends stood up. And all of you speak different languages because you're from different countries. And we all from the same country somehow are speaking and you can understand it, right? And, and the, the participants there on that day, they go... These guys are drunk, drunk, right? This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, in, in, in this translation, it says, well, they're not drunk. It's the third hour of the day. In other translations, it says, they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning, right? Just wait till later, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, but you, you can imagine it's, it's this mysterious way where God uh, comes boldly into these people's lives and they're able to speak and explain the good news of salvation to the people. So what does this have to do with the will of God being acted out? We see the will of God being worked out. Uh, and, and Marcus with the, with the box started talking about the Trinity. And we start to see how God works in this triune way as his will is being unfolded. And as, as God, the creator, creates life, right? And God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ to come, die, and rise to be the perfect sacrificial lamb to rescue and redeem all that is broken in this creation. And then Jesus sends the spirit into this world, into people's lives, that they can trust in who Jesus is, to have faith in him, and that they can be reconciled to the Father. So we see the Trinity at work here and at play as the will of God is being uh, poured out. And so, so we ask this question again, what, what is this will of God? Well, as we see it being played out on, on the Pentecost event and then throughout the New Testament, what's the will of God? The will of God is to rescue, redeem, and restore this lost and broken world. Rescue, redeem, and restore this lost and broken world. God has been on a mission from the very beginning to reconcile the world to himself, and he's doing it all in the person of Jesus Christ. What is God's will? He wants all people to be rescued 
and redeem and restore. And he's acting it out through Jesus Christ. So that is the will of God, to rescue, redeem, and restore the lost and broken world. So the second question then is, okay, good. How then is God's will done? How does he do this? In the Lord's Prayer, uh, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Right? Uh, we're about to pray the Lord's Prayer here in a little bit. We will say our Father who art in heaven. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Why? Because Jesus taught his disciples. They said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, you want to know how to pray? Pray like this. Say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, so that's why it's called the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray like this. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how Jesus said. So, so Jesus teaches us to pray for the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Martin Luther, uh, he, he broke down the Lord's Prayer into seven different petitions. And in his small catechism, he explains what each petition means. So I, I want to show you uh, what Martin Luther says about this third petition of the Lord's Prayer that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what he says. Martin Luther writes, uh, What does this mean? The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. Right, let, me, let me just say it again. We have to hear things multiple times. <laughs> The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it will be done among us also. Now, what's Luther's point here? Luther's point is that God's will will always be done. Right? God's will will always be done. That's what makes him God. He will always follow through on getting his will done. Even in and among and through broken and sinful people like you and me, his will will always be done. And so we pray in this petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? But we know that God's will will always be done, so why do we need to pray for it to be done? Well, it's as if we are praying, okay, God, I acknowledge that you are God. I know your will will be done, but I want you to enact your will in my life. I desire to have my life transformed into your likeness. I don't just want your will to be done out there somewhere, but let your good and gracious will come into my life. And, and let your will be done in my life and in my family's life here on earth as it is in heaven. Luther then goes on to ask, okay, so how then is this done? How is God's will done? He writes this. God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens us to keep us firm in his word and faith until we die. This is his good and gracious will. Again, what is God's will? To rescue, redeem, and restore this lost and broken world. You and me included. So how does he do it? It's when he breaks and hinders the evil attempts of Satan and all of his evil foes from getting you to not live according to God's will. I, 
think we spend a lot of time thinking about the fact that Satan is at work in this world. And, and Satan has a will as well. And Satan's will is to disrupt God's will being done. And so Satan is trying his best at work in your lives to thwart the will of God being done. Through, through temptation, through getting you to turn your back on God, through getting you to say, you know what, today, God, I actually don't like your will. <laughs> I like my will, and I want my will to be done. So, Lord, today I'm going to do my will. If you're anything like me, we do this on a daily basis. And so what God's will is, and the way that God has acted in your life as a Christian person, is that God is constantly at work breaking and hindering Satan from getting full control over you. God is actively at work in your life as a baptized child of God to protect and preserve you. And so this is the good will of God, as good and gracious will is that Satan doesn't get to win. Okay? The good and gracious will of God is that Satan does not get to win over you. The good and gracious will of God will always be done, and eternal life and forgiveness are yours, declared and won for you because of what Jesus has done through the cross and the grave. You are protected. You are preserved now and to the life everlasting. What is God's will to rescue, redeem, and restore this lost and broken world? And how does he do it? By breaking and hindering the evil works of Satan, trying to get you to not have God's will done in your life. Now, finally, the last question. As it appears in our 150-year-old mission statement, we as a congregation say that our purpose is to carry out his will. Carry out his will. So how do we do it? Well, you're gathered here today, right, in God's house. And many of you were here last week. Many of you are here next week. Week after week after week after week after week. Why? Why do we gather here? Because it is here that God's word is proclaimed into our ears and into our minds and into our hearts. When the word of God is spoken, God is at work. When we began our worship today, we confessed our need of salvation. We confessed our sins, and a word of salvation and forgiveness was proclaimed into your ears. That was not just a word. That was actually life-transforming word at work, not just in your ears, but into your heads and into your hearts, so that your lives might be transformed by his grace. So we gather together here to hear his word in a little bit. You're going to receive his sacrament for you. We receive the word and the sacraments when we worship him. And what are the sacraments? They're the means of grace by which God sends his spirit into our world that we can touch and taste and experience this love of God in Jesus Christ. And so what do we do? How do we first carry out his will? Well, we gather here to receive and respond to his good word of grace. And then how do we carry it out as a congregation? Well, in our, in our current context, we've structured our ministry around gathering together in groups. Right? We gather together in groups and study and service and common interest, where the body of Christ is built up, 
where we dwell with one another, where we sharpen one another, where we grow together and challenge one another to continue walking in this faith. And if you think about it, what do we do when we gather together? We also mutually build one another up so that we can break and hinder the work of Satan trying to disrupt this will of God being done in our lives. And so it's a benefit to us to gather together in groups. And then what do we do? We go into this community in simple ways, first and foremost in your families, raising up your children and loving your spouses as God has done that and, and given you the gift to be able to do. You know, in our families, but then in our neighborhoods, with our co-workers. You, you, many of you go and serve in this community in, in many different ways, many in, in which I don't even know about where you, as a Christian person, have the opportunity to carry out the will of God in places where only you can go. But then we also pool our resources in the congregation to support projects like the garden, where, where families are going to benefit not just from freshly grown produce, but also through the relationships and the good news of salvation being shared there. So how does our church carry out God's will? Well, again, we worship, we gather together in groups, and we go and we live in this community, bringing and carrying the will of God. Today is the day of Pentecost, my friends. And again, on that day of Pentecost, what did we see? We saw the disciples receiving the Holy Spirit and responding in thanks and praise. What is this will of God? To rescue, redeem, and restore this lost and broken world. I want you to hear today that we too are Pentecost people. We're Pentecost people. Uh, on that day, we saw bold disciples, plain old fishermen, emboldened by the Spirit to go and speak in mighty ways. Well, we too are Pentecost people, regular people. I'm a regular guy just like you. But we too have received the Holy Spirit through baptism and through the words of forgiveness, and God is at work in your life. You have the Holy Spirit within you. I pray that as you exit these doors today, that you know this, that your life would be transformed into his likeness, that the grace of God and his good and gracious will would be done in your life, that the evil attempts of Satan would be broken and hindered in your life, that you would be protected and preserved, and that you go boldly into this world, knowing that you're rescued from sin by the death and resurrection of Jesus. You're restored through his grace. The will of God will always be done. It is good and it is gracious and it is for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.